Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke, we're going to go to Luke chapter 5, and we're going to pick up at verse 1, and it goes like this. In the NIV, it should come up on the screen. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He sought the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let the net, let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats upon the shore, left everything, and followed him. I don't know if you've read this story. I love this story. It's one of, one of my favorites, the miraculous catch of fish. I'm going to use the name Simon today. I'm not going to keep interjecting between Peter and Simon. Let's just remember that it's the same person, but Simon's used here before. Jesus gives him his new name, Peter. But Simon Peter, or Simon, was with his friends. And we read this story here that they're by the, 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 the beach, by the shore, and they've just been out a night of fishing and up comes Jesus and decides to have a a, a church meeting on the beach effectively and he comes down and sets this meeting up and the crowds are following him and by the way the reason why the crowds are following him is because if you read in the previous chapter you'll see that just before in chapter 4 Jesus has already began to have an influence in society He's beginning to make his mark in society. He's beginning to go around synagogues, preaching, declaring the kingdom of God, and seeing demons leave people, seeing people healed, including Simon's mother-in-law. Simon saw just in chapter 4 his own mother-in-law in the house be healed of a fever. And so what we see here is that you've got this scenario where there's a meeting about to take place on the beach. And at this moment that Jesus decides to plant a church on the beach, he knows how to plant churches, doesn't he? I'll tell you, if I was going to plant a church, I'd plant my church on the beach. He plants a church on the beach right next to 
this few guys, these fishermen who've just had one of the worst nights ever. In other words, they're disappointed with their catch. In fact, the Bible tells us that they had nothing. That they came back from a night of fishing with nothing. How many of you sometimes feel like you're giving everything in life and getting nothing back? Sometimes you're doing everything in business. You're doing lots of things and you're running around. And sometimes it feels like you're giving all your energy but getting nothing back. Well, there doesn't seem many like that here today. You're all doing well. I know I've done that before. I've given everything but felt like sometimes I've got nothing back. And right there and then on this beach, you've got these disgruntled or tired fishermen, including Simon, who sees Jesus come up and, and even has the rudeness to come up and steal his boat. You know, I mean, there's pushing it, isn't there? Jesus decides to come up and say, you know, can I just use this boat and get into the boat and make a bit of room so I can preach to the people? And so now you've got Jesus has just gone a little step further and he's come along and said, you know, I know that you're, you're tired and you've had a bad night, but by the way, can I just use your boat for preaching? And so now we've got this scenario where you see that Simon Peter and the guys who are tired, dejected, got nothing in their nets. See Jesus come and begin to preach the word of God. How many of you know that it's important that however bad life is for you, you've got to make sure that Jesus is always in the picture. You've got to make sure that Jesus is always on the fringe. He's in the scene of your life. You see, he didn't hesitate. He said, yeah, you can take the boat. And he puts it out a little, it says, from the shore. Simon Peter had seen Jesus do amazing things. He'd seen firsthand in a chapter before His mother-in-law get healed. He'd seen great things. But now life is getting a little tough because sometimes in our lives we come to church on Sunday. We love what God does in our lives. We love the excitement. We love coming to the prayer meetings. But sometimes we've got to get back to reality because there's a mortgage to pay. Sometimes you've got a problem because the bank isn't going to let you off just because you speak in tongues. You can't go down to the bank and say, you know, uh, I just want to have a few months off my mortgage. We had such an amazing time on Sunday, you know. We saw God bless people and send them around the nations. He gives back if you trust him. If you just trust me, can I have a few months off the mortgage payments? They're going to say, no way. If they did it, tell me which bank it is. But life for you goes on. Monday morning for you is different to when you're in here because reality kicks in and you've got demands. Every one of us have got a demand in some way that we need to meet. And what you find here is that Simon Peter begins to see the kingdom of God come. He gets excited, but at the same time, he's also going to make a living. Sometimes we can brush these things aside and think, oh, you know, it's all about living the supernatural spiritual life. But the truth is, when the rubber hits the road, there are times in life when Things don't go well for you. And you've still got church going on at the same time. That's what was happening at this moment. In fact, I would have thought that that Simon Peter would have been saying, if Jesus really is the Son of God, because by the way, this is what the demons were declaring in Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, you read that he says that when the demons left the people, what they declared was Jesus is the Son of God. So now you've got these people recognizing that the kingdom of God has come. That Jesus is not just a prophet. He is the son of God. He is the, he is above all. But if he's above all and he can heal my mother-in-law, why is it that I've got an empty net? 
Why is it that my life feels like this and you're preaching and everyone's getting excited? There's a dynamic going on that sometimes in our lives we, we, we understand, we recognize. That actually you see other people getting excited. You see God doing things, but you're seeing your life go down the pan right in front of you. Simon found himself stuck in one word, and I want to look at that today. And that is disappointment. Disappointment. Wow, what a word to speak on. Disappointment. I want to talk to you today about how you overcome disappointment. How do you overcome it? You see, sometimes in our lives, there's what you call disappointment appointments. I believe that every time you have a disappointment in your life, it's an appointment for God to do something amazing. Amen? You better believe it. Because right there and then at this moment is you've got Simon Peter, who's in this circumstance, in this position in his life, that realizes he's got nothing. But all of a sudden, God's about to do something. Jesus is about to make a miracle happen that will give him his prosperity, will give him what he needs in his life. And sometimes in our lives, we don't understand how do we deal with disappointment. There's every one of us in this room right now, no, inside, if you were to think and close your eyes for a moment, you know that there's something that's disappointed you. Not just in the last day, the last week maybe, or few months. Someone has disappointed you. Something has disappointed you. But let me tell you, it doesn't change anything of who God is. Your disappointment, however hard it feels, is not going to change the fact that God is still on the throne. Amen? Disappointment appointments. Sometimes we think that when disappointment comes in, that's it. There's nothing else to move on for and live from. That's what the enemy wants you to think. The devil wants you to think that there's nothing worth moving on for because you just got to sit and wallow in your disappointment and your depression and there's nothing worth moving forward for anymore because all hope has gone. I want to tell you today that you can move on from your disappointment. This is an appointment for God to do something, to revive your faith. Martin Luther King said this, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. In other words, sometimes you've got to accept the things that are finite, but we should never, never Lose the fact that there is an infinite hope in knowing Jesus Christ. The Bible says he's an anchor for our soul. The Bible says he sets eternity in your hearts. There is a bigger picture that goes way beyond your disappointment. Just um, since October last year, and you may have heard me mention this a couple of times, but I was suffering last year with pins in my body and on my left side. And I was wondering what was happening. And I kept going to doctor appointments. It takes so long through the hospitals to to go through procedure of finding out different things. And I'd go in and they'd they'd say, we're going to do this test. They'd run more blood tests. Then they'd say, we need to see them again because we found some things that that, that seem wrong. And we just want to check them again. And so I kept going into doctor appointment. And always since October, let me tell you something. While I've been leading this church, I want to tell you the truth today. I've been battling my own disappointment. Some of you say, oh, no, your life is good. No, my life since October last year has not been too good. Because I've been battling the fact that I have a pain here and I don't know why I've got this pain when God said a word to me years ago and said, I'm going to use you, that I've got you to, I've got a job for you to do. And so when things happen like this, disappointment sets in. And what begins to happen is the enemy begins to amplify that and tell you it's something it's not. 
So I began to tell myself, like we all do these days, oh, you've got problems. You've got cancer. You know, every one of us think these things. So I go to the hospital and all I want them to do is tell me I haven't got cancer. But the first thing we react to is what we know. And so you battle through these circumstances. You're trying to weigh up the balance between what God said and your disappointment. But Lord, why have I got this pain? I have prayed for so many people to get healed. I've seen people get miraculously healed in front of me. But why can't you just take the pain away? Do you know one thing I've learned is that the pain that I've had, all the time I've had it, even when I prayed for people, it's drawn me closer to God. Because that all it's done for me is make me run to him. And I think dad upstairs sometimes wants you to start running to him. He wants you to run back to him, spend a bit more time with him so you can shut off things. And I talked about this the other week. And sometimes disappointments become appointments. They become appointments where God begins to speak again. He begins to revive again what he told you. There are people right now in this room who had words spoken over their life. And you're beginning to doubt what God said simply because of your health. Simply because of the circumstances around you. Simply because of where you find yourself at this moment. We've got to accept sometimes finite disappointment knowing that there is an infinite hope. Just the other day I had to go to the hospital for another test and it was at that point when They were going to determine and tell me even more in a lot more detail of how how I was. Thankfully, when I came out of there, they said, you don't need to see a doctor anymore. We can't find anything. Now, I've still got the pain. That's the problem sometimes. in, In one sense, I wanted them to find something to find out what the pain is. You know it. But the thing is this. One thing it did for me, I left that day. And I didn't really care anymore. Because I began to say, well, God, I should have trusted you even more. You see, some of us sometimes, we need to trust God a little bit more. Because if he said something over your life, he will not let it return void. Some of you right now, you need to stop listening to the enemy, what he's telling you that's wrong. Start believing God again. Over your life. Jesus was the son of God in chapter 4 of Luke. And he also was the son of God at that beach that day when the net was empty. He didn't change. Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today and forever. He does not change the end of it results is that they have a lot of fish and God blesses them Jesus performs a miracle that is outstanding that they recognize that he truly is the son of God that he can turn a situation around I want to ask you today in your life where's your disappointment right now is it people have let you down is it your job is it your business is it your finances Whatever it is, I want to tell you today that God can turn it around. He has the ability to turn situations around. Amen. And we've got to believe it. We've got to declare it. We've got to say, God, I believe you because of who you are. And if my net's empty today, I'm still going to believe that you can fill my net. So how do we overcome our disappointment? Well, I believe that first of all, that what Jesus did that day is he brought in those men who were fishermen from the outside fringe into the crowd and he included them in his story. And what God did that day, what Jesus did through that miracle was to draw them in from the outside. They were no longer listening from the outside, but now they were coming closer. The first thing that we need to do if we want to overcome disappointment is to trust God's word. You've got to trust God's word. We read earlier in Luke 5, 2, it said, Jesus saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen. 
who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. You see, sometimes it's very, very hard for you to read your Bible when you're disappointed. Sometimes it's very hard to come to a church service when you feel so disappointed. In fact, the last thing you want to hear sometimes is the Word of God. Why? Because the enemy knows that if he can get you to think like that, the Word of God, by the way, is active. It's like a double-edged sword. It's powerful. It changes things. It does things in you. And it's not just a book. And the enemy knows that if he can get you to think that the Word of God is useless, that the Word of God has no power, and it's boring, and it's something that you don't want to listen to, then it doesn't have the effect. But I want to tell you today, when we read the Word of God, when we remind ourselves of the Word of God, it is powerful. It changes and it produces faith. The Bible says in the book of Romans that faith comes by hearing the Word. The more you apply the Word in your life, you're going to see changes. You're going to see that your spirit begins to change. Your perception of things begins to change. You see, Simon, I find it interesting that He's doing his job and he's cleaning his nets there and he's doing this job and all the time the word of God is being declared. All the time while he's there cleaning the nets, looking at this this problem, all the time Jesus is in his boat speaking the word of God. I want to tell you today, never ever dismiss the word of God. They recognized that however disappointed they felt, they needed him to speak. They needed his voice In their lives, the moment you get to the position where you remove his voice or his word or you think, I'm not going to bother going to church this Sunday. I'm not going to bother doing this and and listening to the word of God. I'm going to have a day off tomorrow. You begin to remove that voice that changes things. The, The word of God is powerful. You need to trust God's word, however you feel. However you feel. Someone once said this, that God's silence is not a sign of his absence. God's silence is not a sign of his absence. So many of us sometimes feel that when we can't feel or hear anything from him, even though we can hear the word on a Sunday, I want to tell you today that he's not absent in your life. He never left you. And he's never forsaken you. The Bible reveals to us that there were 400 years of silence between Malachi and the New Testament. In other words, there was 400 years gap of silence where nothing was happening. The Bible talks about silence, but how many of you know that when there was a silence that wasn't recorded, God was always active? You see, even in that time, one thing alone was that the Greek language alone was being developed that would allow the gospel to go through nations. So even in this time of this 400 years silence, God was always working. He was always doing things. And so I want to give you a message today. If you're thinking, well, I've not heard from God. God has been working on your behalf in the silence. He works in the silence. The reason why is even when his word was not heard, he prepared the way just by developing a Greek language that would take the gospel to the nations, that would extend his word from that silent period. God is always there in silence. You might say today, well, I don't feel like he's there. You don't have to feel anything. 
He is still speaking. See, Paul said in Galatians 4, 4, he said, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. In other words, Paul said, there was a set time. There was a time to come. There was a specific time. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that there is a time for everything. There's a time for silence sometimes. There's a time for you to feel like God's not there. There's a time for you to feel like he's not around anymore in your life. But I want to tell you today that there's always a set time coming for his will and purposes in your life. I want to just remind you today, I looked at a study and someone did this study by the name of Everett R. Storms. They said this, the school teacher in calendar by by his name, read the Bible 27 times in a year and a half. That's a lot of times. 27 times in one and a half years. And his discovery was this, that there are 8,810 promises in the Bible. I'll say that again. 8,810 promises. He discovered that through 27 times reading it and discovered that there are that many promises written from God to man. 7,487 of these promises were made by God to humankind alone. And I want to tell you today that in your life, you need to remember that God has put promises over your life. His promises over you are yes and amen. And he has declared a promise over you. He will never leave you or forsake you. However bad the disappointment is, his promises are sure. The problem is sometimes is that I believe that we treat these promises and the word of God a little bit like background noise. How many of you have been in a shop and you go in a shop and you go to buy something and the music's on? If you, you notice, you, you just shut off for a moment while you're shopping. You'll find that if you're in Tesco's, the music is quite fast. Why? Because ultimately you're going to shop faster and get out and spend your money. You go to Costa. And the music's a little gentler. Because while it's gentle, you'll keep buying coffee. And you'll sit there and have another coffee. And the reason is, is because background noise sometimes is something you don't listen to. It's something that is not your focus. It's something that is in the background. It's sat there. It's determining the way you do things. But actually, it's never your focus. And sometimes the word of God can become a little bit like that. Simon was on the beach that day cleaning his nets, focusing on something else. All the time his background noise is Jesus speaking to the crowds. And some of us in our lives sometimes can think that we're listening to the word of God, but actually it's become background noise. Actually it's become something that you can say, well, I go to church and I, I do this and I read every day with Jesus and I do this, I fit this in on, on an evening. But actually what you're doing is you're creating background noise. It's not the main focus. Why? Because your disappointments, the voice of your disappointments are stronger than the voice of God. And I want to encourage you today that God wants to take your background noise and make it the main noise. Emma goes mad with me. Anytime we have guests and I put, put on the music in the background, I always do it too loud. It's not background noise. I like to hear the lyrics, you see. She's like, turn it down. It's background noise. It's background music. And they're singing away. No one can hear me because I'm singing. But I like music and I like to sing. But sometimes God wants to take your background noise and draw it to the front. How many of you can resonate with that today? That sometimes that what you're doing actually is putting Jesus on the back shelf. You've positioned him in your, the boat of your life. 
But actually, you're focusing on something else completely different. Listening to God's word is not ticking a box. Listening to God's word isn't ticking a box. It will never do anything in your life and apply and have power if you don't make it the first voice. Because it needs to be the foundation to everything else around you. When it becomes foundation to everything else around you, your disappointments now become appointments. But when your life is focusing on your disappointments, they become your focus. You don't see any appointments in God. Sometimes we come, we hear it on Sunday. But we make it that background noise. I want to just uh, ask, is there anyone here who's a strong man here today who wants to do a little test for me? Come on. Why don't you, Tim, why don't you come? Come on, you can do it. I want you to help me out here. I've not got a fishing net that's 2,000 years old. I've not got a fishing net that's 2,000 years old today. I wish I did. It might smell a little bit. Come on, Tim. Maybe we can have another person to help. Steve, come on. This is What I want you to do is I want you to grab this thing down here. This is not a 2,000-year-old fishing net, but it is a lobster catcher. And it's heavy. Tell the guys, it's heavy, isn't it? Stand up on here. I haven't got a 2,000-year-old fishing net, but this, up until a few days ago, was in my garden with a plant in it. So Emma wondered what I was doing when I cleaned it up a little bit. What I want you to do is I want you to just lift this up, let the people see. This is an old net that's... It's caught some stuff in its time. It's got concrete. I believe it's concrete with a metal, and it's very heavy on the bottom. A 2,000-year-old fishing net would have dropped to the bottom of the sea with lead weights and would have caught the fish in it. Similar kind of thing, a heavy weight on the bottom that would take this to the bottom of the sea and would capture things into it. And then the cord would be drawn at the top to bring things in. I want you to hold that a minute because that day when they were cleaning the nets, they were picking up these heavy nets. They're not just light fishing nets. I want to see how long you can hold this. When your arms start to, you can let go, but I want you to keep holding it. See, the thing is this. I just want you to stay with me just for a moment. When they were cleaning their nets, the reason why they cleaned their nets is because in their nets was debris. The Bible records that they washed their nets. Luke gives us this detail that tells us that they weren't just washing them quickly or that even they were just looking at their nets and putting them away. He says they washed their nets. In our lives, what we do sometimes is this. We spend far more time looking at the net. We spend far more time analyzing and washing the net. And we're looking at the different debris inside. I put little bits of debris in here that we found. You see, the worst thing is that when they went to the sea that night, they didn't just not get any fish, but all they got was debris. It's a little bit different when you've just done a night of fishing and you've to get nothing is one thing, but to have to wash the nets and clear the debris is another. And I want to tell you today that what sometimes you do in your life is that you don't listen to what Jesus is saying because you're too focused on washing your net. You're too focused on how damaged your net is. You're too focused on the debris inside. And what is the debris inside of your net sometimes? I'll tell you what it is. This stands for the disappointments in your life. It stands for the people who have let you down. It stands for the things that have let you down. It stands for the sin in your life. 
And all the time Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of God. All the time he's declaring the word. And you're stood there clearing your net. And you're looking inside. Keep holding it, guys. You're looking at the debris. The debris is the focus. And I'll tell you another thing that's happening. You get tired. Keep holding it. You get tired. You see, when you wash your nets, you get tired and weary. Jesus said, eventually, put down the nets. You can put it down. <laughs> it's heavy, isn't it? You get a, a, a stronger arm from that. You can take your seats. Give him a big clap for that. But some of us in our lives are like this. We're constantly going back to the net. We're never listening to what Jesus is saying. Jesus eventually wants to use this broken net with debris and start to do a miracle. And some of you right now are saying, but you don't understand, Jesus. Look, look at what happened to me. Look at this. I found this in my life. Some person did this to me. You don't understand. And you're clearing the debris. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to focus on the net with the debris. I want you to focus on what I can do with your net. You see, Jesus can do things with dirty old nets. Jesus can do things even when there's debris left in there. And I want to tell you today that God has not left you. Do not keep looking at the net. Do not keep trying to wash your own nets. There's only one person who's going to clean your life. There's only one person who's going to do something special with you. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. You see, Jesus was preparing for something far bigger than this. He was stood there thinking, I can't believe, guys, you're not listening to me. I'm speaking. You're not getting this. This is the kingdom. See, I want to do something bigger. And you're so focused on your disappointment. You're so focused on the stuff that's attached to your life. The people that have let you down. You need to get with the season. Because the season is, I can do things with nets like that. You see, he didn't say this to him. By the way, can you just tell me, are the nets clean and ready? Are they all ready and clear? So now we can perform this miracle. Are the nets clean, Simon? No, he didn't say that. He said, come, bring your nets. Put out this this boat now into deep water. And I want you to put the net and lower the net. I can imagine the guy saying, well, the nets are not ready. The nets are still full of debris. The nets have still got bits and things in them. And right now, you know there are things in your life, debris, that you're trying to clear. And you're saying, when I've got rid of the debris, then I'm ready to work for God and do things for God. I'm ready to move forward in my Christian life. I'm ready to move forward in this season when I've cleared the debris. I want to tell you today that he clears the debris while he does the miracles. He does it at the same time. Jesus is prepared to use damaged nets. He's prepared to use old nets. I put here that you won't see the blessing of full nets while ever you stay focused on your failed nets. You'll never see the blessing of a full net while ever you're looking at your failed net. And you've got to begin to start to see that Jesus wants to fill. Fill your net and do an amazing miracle. Number two today is this. We've got to trust God's wisdom as well as his word. You see, what happened next was is this. They understood and they said, well, actually, we, he's spoken, then we'll do what he says. And he says this, when Jesus had finished speaking in 
Verse 4, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let the nets down for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we've worked hard all night. We've not caught anything. And then he says, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. I want to tell you that your wisdom sometimes, you think you know how to do things better than Jesus. You see, your view is your past. You base your decisions on your past experiences. You base your decisions of what your failures were last time. You base your decisions off the debris. You base your decisions off the way it went last time. But listen, Jesus doesn't work off what happened last time. He says, I'm working on something fresh and new. I'm working on something new and fresh for your life. Simon's first reaction is, we worked hard all night. In other words, I think he'd have been saying, look, I know these waters. I've tried putting the net there. There's nothing there, Jesus. But I want to tell you today that Jesus wants you to try again. To trust him. Some of us need to trust him. And to lower our net again. You might say, this is crazy. It just will not happen. I don't believe it's going to happen. Listen, do you know the thing that made it happen that day was faith. The thing that made it happen that day was when they acted in faith. And he pushed the boat out into deep water. Every disappointment that you've got here, I put, is an appointment for God to do something special in your life. It's an appointment with God. And right there and then, When they sent out these nets and they lowered them, he says in Luke 5, 6, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. This was not just any miracle. This wasn't just a few fish. It says the nets began to break. There were that much fish. He says then they called in and signaled to the other partners, probably to uh, James and John, and said, come and help us. We need help. There's too many fish. Bring the other boat. That's the kind of miracles Jesus does in our lives. From you having empty nets to disappointment to fill your nets. I find it interesting that not both boats went. That actually one of them had to be signaled in to come and help. And there's sometimes in your life when you're disappointed and you're going to trust God. And you're going to trust his wisdom and you're going to look silly. You're going to look silly. And I reckon that some of these people are saying, I wouldn't go if I were you. It's a bit of a silly idea, this. I don't think you're going to get anything if you go. You've had those times. People think that your faith is a bit too far-fetched. But I want to encourage you today that you need to be the one that goes into the deep water, not stays at the shallow water. Eventually, they do join them, and they are part of that miracle. But listen to me. Don't let your embarrassment ruin your faith. Don't be embarrassed to stand up for God and his wisdom above yours. Because by the way, if his wisdom seems crazy to you, then it's going to seem far lot crazy to other people around you, especially if they're not Christians. Some of us sometimes are going to take some big leaps of faith for God. Our embarrassment shouldn't come into question. Back in 2000 and, get this right, 10, Lewis was born. And when Lewis was born, our little, little baby Lewis And he came into the world. It was our second child. And we'd had a few things, complications with Jacob. But now Lewis comes along. And I'll never forget. I mean, 
The other day, I was when, when I was in the, in the hospital the other day, I remembered. Every time I step into Addenbrooke's, I remember the day they were born. Why? Because I've, I've barely been to hospital in my life. So when I go back, all I remember is the appointments when there were joyous occasions. And I looked through the window and saw the window, the bed where Emma was sat the morning I went to see Lewis and Jacob. But I'll never forget the morning that Lewis was born. We'd gone through, I was going to say we'd gone through, Emma had gone through heavy labor. She she did well. She did well. She went through heavy labor. I helped with the gas and air. It's quite strange, that gas and air, isn't it, when you have a go on it? I was so tempted when everyone left out of the room. I'm sorry. I had to see what it felt like. But she was on the gas and air, and she went, she did a, a great night, but we were waiting for this joyous occasion, and when Lewis was born, the moment he was born, they told us that something had happened where, you've probably heard of this, where meconium can get into their lungs, and something can happen with their breathing. And they laid Lewis onto this little table and said, he's not breathing. And they said, he's, we're not sure what's going to happen. They said, if he doesn't start breathing in the next, I can't remember how long they said, but they said, if he doesn't start breathing, we've got to bring someone in, we've got to do something. We didn't realize the seriousness of what was happening at the time because we were just in such a happy state. And I walked over, and that moment there were people in the room who were working around all the way through the lib, were stood watching. And there was this moment when I walked across to Lewis, and I looked, and he wasn't breathing. And I looked down at him, and I looked at his little chest. And as I looked at his chest, I was so disappointed. Because in my heart, I thought, why, God? Why have we just spent nine months of our lives talking, buying clothes, and enjoying this to get to this stage? Why? I thought you had a plan. If, if he died, it would rock our lives. And I looked down, and there was this moment of, do I pray in front of people? And then I just thought, I don't care. I need to take a step of faith in my disappointment. And I put my hand onto his chest. Emma couldn't do anything. She was, she was laid there. She'd had, she'd had a tiring time. And I put my hand onto his chest. And I began to speak in tongues. And I began to say, breathe. In Jesus' name. Right there and then, he's coughed. And they, just before they were about to bring someone in, they said, ah, he's breathing. Well, after this, we got the reports back. And in the reports, we realized the seriousness of what happened. We didn't realize on the day. But I want to tell you today that sometimes when disappointment comes, you've got to do things in faith. You've got to act in the wisdom of God that says you've got to believe that God can intervene in your circumstance. No matter what anyone thinks around you, his wisdom is far greater. And sometimes in our lives, we begin to get embarrassed about acting in faith. And we'll stay in our disappointment if we do. If you look at the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11, you'll see that Magda, that Martha, sorry, when she's at the tomb, she's disappointed at the fact that her brother Lazarus has died. That moment, he says this in verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 22, I want you to get this. She says, but I know that Even now, even now, God will give you whatever you ask. 
Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. This was four days into his death. The tomb would have smelt. Death was there. Disappointment was all around that place. You could smell disappointment, let alone death itself. With people crying, including Jesus that says he himself wept. He himself was disappointed. The Son of God was disappointed. Why? Because he had feelings and emotions and love. And right there and then around that tomb was disappointment all around. But she said, even now. Even now. No matter how bad this seems. No matter how long we know he's been in the tomb. No matter how long we know this body has been dead. Now that you're here, even now. There's hope. And some of us have got to get into that place again when everything feels like it's all gone wrong and the smell of death is over you on your circumstances and you're saying it's impossible four days in. It's impossible these things I've got to do, these business deals. It's impossible these things in my life I've got to deal with with these people. I'm too far gone. I cannot get any further back. The word of God to you today is even now. Even now, there's still hope. Because when smell of death is there, the Son of God was the one who had victory over death. If he has victory over death, he can deal with any one of your circumstances. Because the problem is today is death is one of the biggest things that you have a problem with. Because every one of us will die. And we cannot do anything about it. So let me tell you, if you can understand that the Son of God has the power over death, he's got the power over any of your circumstances. You've got to remind yourself today that you serve a God who is above death. He can breathe life into a circumstance again. Whatever or whoever's failed you, God's bigger. And I want to say today, you can choose to sink in your disappointment or sink in your blessing. He says that they took that many fish in that it began to sink the boats. You can sink in disappointment or you can sink in blessing. You've got to make the choice today. Am I going to sink in the blessing or I'm going to sink in this situation? The only way you're going to sink in blessing is if you get into the boat and you act in faith and you trust God's wisdom. And Finally, we've got to trust God's will. It says this in verse 8 of Luke 5. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. He'd seen all these fish. He looks at everything and thinks, How on earth has this happened? I'm a sinful man. I've done things wrong. And God is blessing me. He says, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said this to Simon. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Verse 11. So they pulled up their boats on the shore and left everything and followed him. I want to just say something to you here. I find this very interesting, this story. Because we get right to the end of the story. And we get, at the beginning of the story, we see that we got disappointed guys. Why? Because they ain't got any fish. Then Jesus interjects and he says, I'm going to show you a powerful miracle that's probably going to confirm the message I've just preached to everyone on the beach. And I want you to come out and I'm going to show that I have the power to change a situation and take disappointment to an appointment. 
But at the end of all this, you'd think that the guys would be so happy that now that their disappointment has been met with an appointment with God, now they've been sunk, they're sinking in blessing. Now they're dragging these nets in and saying, look at the fish. You'd think in their minds they'd be saying, how much can we get for this? How many fish have we got? But the next thing that happens is, he says that they were fearful. Why? They were fearful because they realized how big God was. They realized their sin. You see, when you begin to understand how big God is and he begins to show you and you begin to act in faith, in his wisdom, you're going to begin to see how small you are. You're going to begin to see how big he is. Then you're going to change your perception. And now it says that they brought the fish onto the shore. And what did they do? It says, verse 11, they got up, left everything. They went from disappointment to having nothing to then get into a place where they had the the decision to leave it. They didn't even want to take the fish. The fish now was not even their priority. The fish now wasn't even their focus. They weren't interested in how many fish. The fact is they left them. I can imagine what happened that day is that the crowds are saying, get some bags. Get some bags. Get these fish back. There's enough food to feed us for a year. They've just walked off and left everything. They left everything. They had nothing. Then they left it all. What I want to tell you today is this is that your disappointment that you're facing is not as big as you think. Because when you realize how big God is and he does the turnaround situation, what he wants to do is change your disappointment to an appointment to get you to leave your disappointment behind. To get you to leave what you thought was a big thing. Because he says, I've got something bigger for you. Because he said to them, you're going to start to fish for men. You think that this is life? You think that this is what it's all about? You think that getting fish and filling your nets and you're disappointed, all these trivial things are not what life's about. What life is about is the kingdom of God coming and you fishing for men, seeing lives changed, seeing people's nets of their life who are dirty, destroyed and full of debris. You're going to see people radically changed. Jesus' word to you today is this. Whatever you think your disappointment is, whatever you think that is your problem at the moment, when you start to trust God, I'm going to tell you something. He has a bigger plan than your problem. His plans are bigger than your problems. You see, I realized when I was going to the hospital all the time, and I looked around, and I couldn't imagine, I couldn't believe how many sick people there are around. I mean, Adam Brooks alone. I looked and thought, look at all these people. I think I've got a problem. How many people have got problems? Every single day. And I've made this problem to be my forefront of my life. It's been everything that life's been revolving around. I've had too much background noise of Jesus. And I want Jesus to be the center. And what Jesus has done in me in the last few days is begin to remind me, I've not finished with you. You know, one day there will be a time when he's finished with me and that's fine and that's good. But there for now, he says, I have not finished with you. And listen to me. God says, and listen, let it resound in your spirit today. He has not finished with you. He's not finished with you. Why? Because there's something bigger than your problem. He says they left everything. Left the show and said, see you later. We're going. We want to follow this guy. We want to follow the son of God. They left everything.
I've put here that following Jesus may sometimes gain you prosperity, but true prosperity is the joy of giving back to God your total availability. In other words, you think that what you need is going to solve your problem. You think that the prosperity you need, listen, Jesus does bring, I'm not a prosperity teaching person that it's all about getting and gaining things. But sometimes God blesses people and it's in scripture. He blesses with fish. But what I find interesting is, is that when your heart is right with God and you understand what the kingdom of God's about, you understand it's not about fish. You understand it's not about being prosperous. You understand it's about fishing for men. You understand it's about going and doing the work of God. So when God gives you and blesses you, he changes your mindset to make you realize it's not about the fish. The moment your life is about prosperity and you focus on the fish, you've got it wrong. So the moment you say, oh, Jesus did this for me, and I'm living in this beautiful house now, and I'm blessed, and look what God's done for me. Oh, I'm blessed with this car. I'm blessed with this. I'm blessed with that, and I, I prayed, and God answered my prayer. Well, good for you, but listen, if you can't give your availability back to God, you're going to drown in prosperity. You're going to drown in blessing, and you're never going to move into the plans that God has called you into. Because the reason why he does it is to see whether you'll give total availability to him. He captivates your heart to total availability. And so many people out there today are all about prosperity. They're all about what God's going to do for you. But listen, when God does something for you, you better start doing something for him. Paul said this in Philippians 3.8. He said, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. In other words, he says, do you understand something? I've come to realization that everything I have, all the fish I could ever own, all the mansions I could ever have, it's all garbage because I want Christ. I realize that Christ is bigger than anything. And listen to me, whatever you think is what life's all about, it's not. It's only about Jesus. He says, I consider it all garbage. And that is what Simon understood that day. He realized there was more to life. There's more to Christianity. There's more to it than fish and prosperity. It's about availability, leaving everything to follow Jesus Christ. God will use disappointments to put you in the right direction. He happened to me. When I was coming here to study many years ago, I've told this story probably once before or may have done, but I, I wanted to go to Hull. Not sure now why. I, I much prefer Cambridge. Hull. I mean, Cambridge sounds so much nicer, doesn't it? But I wanted to go to Hull. I, I set out to go to Hull. I failed to get in there because of different complications. I felt that someone did something wrong. In one of my friends, and it stopped me from getting in there. They, they fluked their way in. They faked their way in. Got, the, got a place. They told me I could have a place, but now I was on reserve. My friend had used all his girlfriend's work to get into the place. I was so disappointed. So disappointed that I didn't want to come to Cambridge. And the day I got an offer here, I was upset. Now I'm glad because I've met my wife, and I have two children, and I'm here in this church. But I want to tell you that back then in 1997 when I arrived here to study, to go to university, I did not want to come here. I was disappointed, but I accepted it because I, I didn't have a choice. 
But how many of you know that God always sends us in the right direction in our disappointments? You've got to start seeing that your disappointments are movements in the right direction. You see, I couldn't understand it at the time. The crazy thing is, is just this year I've just been asked to go and preach in Hull. I'm going later on this year to preach two days in Hull to an influential church, and I'm honored to go. But as I I chuckled to myself when I was invited, and I thought, I'm going back now after 97 of feeling disappointed to not even be there and study. My journey of my life has ended up now. I've got to go back there to preach the word of God. God is quite funny sometimes. The way he works, isn't he? He's got humor. He's got humor. And that's the way he works. As I come to a close right now, I just want to remind you that whatever disappointment you're in, the worship team can be ready to come back. Whatever disappointment you're in, God will use it. He has a will for your life. And he had a will for those guys that day to take them from the beach and to leave all the fish and to follow him. They didn't understand probably why they had to go through that season of disappointment. Maybe you don't sometimes. But I want to tell you that it's worth it. You can overcome disappointment. Because if you trust God's word, trust his wisdom, and trust his will, You won't anchor on to disappointment. You won't be holding on to those nets. As I come to a finish, I remind you of that story in Genesis 37, onwards to 45 of Joseph. Joseph had a dream. So did Martin Luther King. But Joseph had a dream. And he had a dream that took 13 years to fulfill. You see, he was backstabbed by his brothers, sold into slavery. Then he ends up in prison because he's falsely accused. But all the while, all the while, through the 13 years of disappointment, he was an appointment with God. He was living his appointment for 13 years this wasn't just one night of a bad night's catch of fish this was 13 years that he had to go through you're telling me that when he was in a hole and dug in a, in a pit and thrown in sold to slavery that he didn't question God that he didn't say God I'm so disappointed because I know the dream was so vivid I know that what you said over my life was so strong. Why is it this is happening? But Joseph stood strong. He stood strong, why? Because he knew God's word was final. He knew that God was wiser than him. And through 13 years, he eventually walks right into his dream. He walks into the fulfillment. And I want to tell you today, there are people here. You may not have to wait 13 years. Maybe it's been the last month. Maybe it's been the last day. Maybe there are a few weeks, but you've been disappointed. Maybe you've been backstabbed. Maybe you've been let down. Maybe you've been falsely accused. Maybe things have not gone well for you. Maybe you've had a bad night's catch. You've got nothing and you gave everything. But I want to tell you today that whatever your disappointment, you can have an appointment with God. 
because he will never leave you or forsake you. Why don't we stand? Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.